Hello, this is your host, Rusty James. It is Friday, March 18th, 2016, and this is The Ride. Ah, it's nice to be with you again today on this beautiful Friday! Turkeys to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am smacking the mantle with you. I pulled out of my driveway today, there were turkeys to the left of me. Then they crossed the road and then they were to the right of me, so it should have been Turkeys to the left of me, turkeys to the right, here I am, smack in the middle with you. But somehow I think it loses its cachet. But I'm here with you, on this beautifully overcast, gray morning that is yet to rain, but it looks ominously probable that it will dump some precipitation. Which is a good thing. We need the rain. I started to formulate a plan for building a chicken coop. And I actually put together one of the bents. Do you know what a bent is? For those who don't know, when you're building a barn, each cross-sectional support for the roof is called a bent. It's kind of like what you would get if you looked at all the beams that, you know, and most times it would be a point at the top holding up the roof, and you have a bunch of the bents along the length of your barn. So I did one bent of my little chicken coop. And I gotta tell you, it looks really nice. It looks really big when I put it in my garage. But yesterday I made a purchase that thrills me. Whenever I get a project that I'm working on and I need a new tool, I kind of like that problem. <laughs> Especially since I had a bunch of Menards cash to spend. I don't know about you, but if you ever go to Menards or some of these places like this where you buy something and it's advertised at almost free because hey you can get a rebate well I've done that many times and when it comes to sending in the rebate for some reason or another I don't send it in because it's like chump change many times but when I built my workbench I bought a really nice piece of uh, butcher block for the top no actually I take that back it's when I built uh, a, uh, a countertop in my studio I got a nice butcher block and I was able to get a really nice rebate for that so I used that in my purchase yesterday guess what I got I got a nail gun yippee not a monster construction grade roofing nail gun those are like three or four hundred dollars for a good one but I got one that's kind of in between that and a finish nailer so that I can quickly whip up this chicken coop. Normally I use screws for stuff like this, but where I don't need to use screws, I will use this nailer. And man, siding this thing is gonna be a breeze. 
I've got some old barn wood. Not, well, it's old, but it's not been weathered, so it's kind of dusty and I got to get it cleaned off. But it's going to be sharp. It's going to have that little bit of a rustic look to it. Uh, rustic's not the term. I don't want it to look that bad. It's going to be shabby chicish. A shabby chic chicken coop. I know some of you listening will totally appreciate that. It's going to look sharp. I have some old barn t- uh, roof tin that I'm going to use for it. It's going to be nice. So what am I talking about today? Well, I thought that I would talk a little bit about the power in a Christian's life. Because I was wielding this nail gun yesterday. And you know, I had to get a few rounds off, test it out. So I had bought, it can go up to two and a half inch nails. And so that's for some of my fastening of the structural pieces. And then I've got some nails that are smaller, maybe half that length for my siding when I'm ready to side this structure. Same machine, two different uses. But power, man. I When I shot a few of those nails, I shot the, the largest ones basically into a 2x4 lengthways. So, so the nail didn't protrude. In other words, I was putting two and a half inches of nail into solid wood, and I, it was too strong. It actually countersunk it a little too much. I got to adjust that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, yeah, power. Now I'm working with power, baby. Did you know that Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't come to just do what he needed to do and then tell us about it and say, look at me, pray to me, and I will take care of your problems in the future. True, he is an advocate. He is our advocate. He is a point of contact. He is our brother. He is our Lord and Savior. But he also said, wait, and you're going to be endued with power from on high. And things greater than what I did, you're going to do. That always blows me away. What... Okay, it's snowing. Oh, man. For the record, it's 9 o'clock on Friday, March 18th, 2016, and there's just a little bit of dusting of snow. I can't believe that that's going to be sticking around. I can't believe it's snowing! Come on! All right, anyway, I'm not going to let that mess up my day. Okay, power. You've got it when you're walking in the ways of the Lord. So, what good is power? I mean, I'm always, well, not always, but I'm talking sometimes about how, you know, when we seek power, you know, it's probably not a good thing. Power, recognition, fame, all this kind of stuff. I'm not talking that kind of power. Granted, there are leaders and, you know, I could be president of the United States with a bunch of power. Hopefully I would wield it properly. Power isn't necessarily evil. It's how you use it. Just like money. Just like time. Just like affection. But power. What good is power unless you can wield it properly? So let's think about power a minute. 
When you think of power, what do you think of? Do you think of a superhero wielding some kind of a magnificent ability? Something that can't be done by someone else? It's unique to them? Well, when I think about the power that Jesus Christ has given us through the finished work on the cross and the fact that he has poured out his spirit on us to walk in ways that to our natural man, our unrenewed man, would be completely foreign. But he's, he's given us that kind of power. So, but what do you do with the power? Well, I think the first thing that we do, should do, is look at what that power affords us within ourselves. Before you go off and start getting into other people's business, let's get into our own business. We've got power to walk righteously. We do? Yes, we do. But I always stumble and fall into these areas. I know, and you're not alone in that, but you have authority and power to live righteous. Jesus lived righteous and had authority. And he didn't sin. I want to make that clear. He didn't sin. I don't know what you've heard, but Jesus didn't sin. How do I know this? Because if he had, he wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice, and he wouldn't have been able to shed his blood to cover our sin. You know, he was a symbol or a picture or what people sometimes call a type of a spotless lamb the type of lamb that was used in the sacrifice. Yeah, but Jesus got mad at the temple and threw the tables around and got mad when they were selling. And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So you're allowed to be angry and sin not. Jesus was angry, but he didn't sin. He was angry at sin. He wasn't angry at the person. But fast forward till after the crucifixion and the resurrection. By the way, Easter's coming up. If you don't have a church you're going to attend, find somebody who's a churchgoer and go. Hear the story. I don't know how long it's been since you've been in church. I want to recommend you find a place. And if you attend, find somebody you know. Step into a little bit of boldness maybe more than normal and invite them to come with you this power we need to focus it inward a minute because the power that we have is power to walk righteous just like he spoke to the woman caught in adultery and he said uh, you know where are your accusers this is after they threw down their rocks because they were going to be stoning her and he challenged all those people going to stone her by writing something in the sand and they all dropped their stones and took a hike. He tells her, where's your accusers? And they're gone. And, and he says, uh, you know, go and sin no more. And that has always struck me as profound because I believe Jesus is God. And God said to that woman, go and sin no more. Now, is he playing a game? Is he telling her, okay, I want you to go try and sin no more. I know you're going to fail at that, but try and sin no more 
even though I know that I've put obstacles in your way and you're going to fall multiple times because I'm sovereign and all this kind of stuff. I don't think God plays a game like that with us. I believe he's for real when he says, you can sin no more. And I think he's speaking it to you and me. Go and sin no more. That tells me that there is potential to let the power of God be in your life in such a way that the things that tripped you up, the things that tempted you, don't have to anymore. There might be new levels that you attain because you're not tripped up into that thing anymore. And new levels, people say new levels, new devils, okay, whatever you want to call it. New levels of responsibility opened you up to new areas of conflict and challenge to your principles and to your character. I never liked that new levels, new devils business because although maybe I can agree with it, I don't like giving our enemy too much respect. We've already won the war. And uh, so, so, you know, new levels, new challenges, whatever. But God gives, gives us power to tackle those challenges no matter what they are because anything we face... He's aware of already ahead of time. And he's provided a way of escape, just like he did to Abraham and Isaac. He provided a way of escape. And he provides that for us today. A way of escape. How? He gives us the power to challenge that thing that we think we can't escape from. What is that thing that you've got today? You know, I listen to a lot of news on the radio, and one of the things that I sense in this time is there's a lot of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of political winds of change, fear of the Zika virus, fear of economic problems in the world, economic collapse in certain countries that are affecting our 401ks. All this uncertainty. And it's really easy to become fearful. But God. I had a thought the other day. You know, I've worked for many years in career. And been saving money. And I want to encourage you. Here's a little tidbit for teens and young adults. Make sure you save money from the start there's a cool thing I bet you you can find it if you google Ben and Arthur Uh, it's a story that Dave Ramsey the financial guy talks about you need to check that out Ben and Arthur google it it encourages you to start saving early my point with all this I've been saving money and you know I'm midlife and yeah believe it or not I am I'm in the middle of my life because I'm in between my birth and my death, so I'm in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. Anyway, but I had this thought that if I had a choice between having the power of God in my life and starting over with zero cash, what would I choose? Do you know it didn't take me very long? I mean, it took me a second to kind of think about it. 
Man, I need the power of God in my life. No money, honey, is worth not having that in your life. Would I be be able to give up my whole 401k, which basically represents my nest egg, it kind of could represent a safety net. Could I give that up and just trust God that he would provide my needs? I mean, it's easy for me to say, yeah, sure. You know, of course I would. But that was the first thought, you know, because that's the Christianese thing to say. It's the thing that, you know, we're supposed to say. That was the first couple seconds I, I thought that. And then I, I, I basically, in my brain, I sat down and counted the cost. What would that mean? Well, that would mean any plans that I had that took any kind of cash, they would be out the window at that moment, unless the Lord was going to supernaturally provide for things, which I believe He will do for the things we need. But I have things that I want. And I have means to get some of the things I want. But I had a long thought process about what that would really mean. And you know what I ended up thinking? Man, life would be simpler if you didn't have all the cash. Because that means all the trappings that your cash is having to cover and pay for, they wouldn't be trappings any longer I'd have to be not in my house anymore you know assuming that I'm not rolling in the kind of income that would support that be kind of living like Paul you know relying on the Lord just walking in his power you know when I put that chicken coop together or when I put that chicken coop together The power is that nail gun. I'm going to wield that power. If I didn't have that, I'd be working on my own strength. Probably nailing nails, screwing screws. And I tell you what, my arm would be sore. Especially if I had to do it all with nails. And I would be frustrated because it wouldn't wouldn't be working well. I'd have to hold things or clamp things together before I nail them. Just... Is so much easier if I'm operating in that power. Certain things are easier when you're operating in the power of God. Things like being able to focus inward and confront some of the issues that we have within ourselves. Unforgiveness is one that I touch on a lot. Sometimes we let unforgiveness just fester within our life and it causes problems, outward problems. We need to let go of things, just like Jesus did. There's a lot of things that we need to work on, but the power of God is available to you and to me to work it efficiently so that we can build our coop. You want to build a good coop, we need to wield the power. Could I wield the power if I had no cash? I come back to that because it's such a crutch really is. Here's a question for you. You got to choose power of God versus your cash crutch. What's it going to be?
And don't just give me a quick Christianese answer either. Think about that today. That's homework. Think about that and what that would mean. I've said this a lot. You know, when you rely on the Lord and you're beyond your own means, that's when things happen. That's when the power of God is really activated in your environment because it has to. And I believe that's when miracles happen. That's when thought processes change. If I'm kind of comfortable with my my income situation, I'm not going to be trusting the Lord as much as someone who is needing to pray for their food every day. You want a reality check? Take a look at some of the third world nations and how people live their lives. Nothing against Dyson, but do you really need a Dyson vacuum cleaner? I mean, I know it's a little bit unfair to compare our first world against third world because it's just a whole different thing. But these are people just like you and me. God loves them just like you and me. God's given them power just like you and me. So I don't know, you know, the Lord might have you being a smart money manager so that you can bless other people. There's nothing wrong, like I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with money. It's how you use it. But what's more important is that you're putting the priority where it needs to be. And the priority ought to be letting the power of God have authority in your life. Did you hear how I put that? We need to let the power of God have authority in our life. Two things that I'm saying there. One, we're giving the power of God, the power that God wields, authority in our life. That means it has authority to challenge things within us, right? And then when we do that, then we can walk in the authority of the power of God, and then we can wield that authority properly. Let the Lord deal with that log in your eye, for example, before you go and try to wield the power of God and to minister to other people's logs in their eye. It starts with us. And you know, no matter what kind of walls and mountains you see around you, the biggest ones are probably within our own life. So you let the authority of the power of God have his way within your life. Challenge those things that you, I don't know, it's like he's trying to break down certain mountains in our life, but we just keep piling the, the dirt up on the top of that mountain saying, well, I don't really want this mountain to be brought low. I don't want you to have full authority over that mountain. Maybe this one, you know, this one that's lack in my life, I want that one taken away so I've got plenty in my life. But he's saying, you know, you're going to be better off if I get rid of this one, which is a, an anger mountain, because that's causing problems in this other area, which is causing you to be in lack. Give the Lord authority to wield his power in your life, and then you will be able to better wield the authority and power of God in your life as you minister to other people, okay? So you stay in that word and find out if what I said is true or not, and live in peace and pray for those who persecute you, and know that that power that rose Jesus from the dead, did you hear what I said? It rose Jesus from being deader than a doornail, it rose him to life, and that power can be in your life today. Let the authority of the power of God be active in your life today, and then you can wield it in ways you never, ever thought possible. And I will see you on the flip.